Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive and industrial manufacturing industries and supporting ecosystems, and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As I always say, if you want to run with the game changers, you want to run with the best. This is where the best run. We've been saying it for years and years and years. In case you're wondering about the name of this series, the future of mobility and manufacturing with game changers, it used to be the future of cars and it had a slight makeover this year. So we are in season, my goodness, I think we're in season six and we're hoping they come back next year. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and we have a really, really interesting topic and a wonderful panel for you. So let me get started. What's the buzz to today. I have a quote from brookings.edu, just one sentence, and this will set us up. Then I'll tell you a little more, and then I will invite my three esteemed guests to introduce themselves. So here's the buzz. Countries that currently possess or are investing actively, and listen up, into the skills, the capital, and the infrastructure of the future are the ones that will dominate global manufacturing in the years ahead. That lays it out. So what are we talking about? Come on, we all know 2020 has been a year of unexpected, major, sometimes disastrous disruptions for industrial manufacturers. And I hate to be the bearer of news you already know, but 2021 is expected to have similar disruptions. We might be more used to them, but it doesn't mean they're going to stop. To weather the current and approaching storms, successful companies, what are they doing? They're doubling down on the digitalization of their supply chains and manufacturing. We've been talking about this since the pandemic started. If they digitalized early, they were ready, nimble, agile, ready to pivot. If they didn't, they're not going to have such an easy time. So successful companies are doubling down, and they're also looking at how they engage with their customers in terms of sales and service, whole new paradigm of customer experience. Will the adoption of what we call Industry 4.0 technologies, let me list a few for you in case you're not familiar with this. I'll call it an umbrella term, AI, artificial intelligence, advanced analytics, robotics, additive manufacturing, sometimes called 3D printing. Will these drive flexibility and resilience and help companies manage, here's another disruption, growing cyber threats, OMG. What will the increased focus on sustainability be? What will it mean? Your shareholders want it. Your employees want it. Your stakeholders want it. Your customers want it. How does that impact your business, your supply chain, your flexibility? And let's get down to the basics. Will there still be a shortage of qualified workers? Oh, my goodness, a lot on the plate. We have Valerie Clark with us today from IBM. We have OMDIA, O-M-D-I-A's Fabio Raffo. And we have SAP's Patrick Lamb. He spells his last name L-A-M-M. And I'm going to ask them for their insights on our topic. It's a wonderful topic today because it's almost the end of November 2020. Yay! The future of industrial manufacturing in 2021 and beyond. So welcome to everyone. And let's get started. Valerie Clark, we're so happy to meet you. And thank you for taking taking the time. And it's just before Thanksgiving. So I'm very appreciative to all three of you for, I'm going to use a terrible word, carving out time for us. That's a turkey word. Valerie Clark, would you please introduce yourself to our global audience? Tell them a little bit about what you do and what does this topic mean to you? Welcome, Valerie. Sure. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, So I've been with IBM about 17 years and I lead edge computing services globally. Um, What that means is uh, looking at ways that we can help transform 
uh, industries leveraging uh, exponential technologies like AI, edge computing, um, and advances in, in networking, right? Um, so it's a very exciting area with a lot of growth. And we do see that manufacturing is the double down bet. Right. You know, this is where transformation is ripe. It's where it's necessary, both for um, manufacturers to remain competitive, but also for the benefit of society. So very, very excited to be here today, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie. And Valerie, when we met on our prep call the other day, you told me this is a new part of your career path. Can you give it us is. where did you come from? How did you get to edge computing, which is fascinating. Yeah. Tell me a little more. Well, first, I'll just say when you work for IBM, opportunity is abound. Right. It's a ma- massive company. So if you're willing to you know, reinvent yourself and learn, it's a great place to be. So I actually started in financial services as a consultant um, and did that for many years. Um, and about three years ago, I had the opportunity to work as a chief of staff with one of our top executives. That gave me tremendous exposure to the business. Right. And his background was as the industrial leader of IBM. Right. He was just taking a new role. So the things I was exposed to, the C-suite that I was able to talk with, uh, it was like learning on, you know, fast pace. Right. It was mm-hmm. just a complete mind, mind brain. And I thought to myself, I love this. You know, I see that this is where the transformation is. And so, you know, I think in life, sometimes you just have to be open to the opportunities that present themselves to you and brave enough to go for them. So. Thank you very much. I I know that our listeners enjoy getting to know a little more than the title and a career path. It's so important now, Valerie, look at how many people are out of work or changing how they work, where they work, the style in which they work, the definition of teams, the definition of collaboration, and sometimes opportunities present themselves. Just, I'm just going to say, kick open that damn door and take it like Valerie did. I like it. Thank you, Valerie. I like that, too. Let's move around the table to Fabio Raffo. Fabio, we're so happy to have you here. Would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about what you do. What does your company do? How does the name Omdia, where did it come from? Go ahead, Fabio. Welcome. Sure. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for inviting me to the show. I'm Fabio Raffo, Principal Analyst at Omdia Research and lead the Industrial Software Research and Consulting covering all things around Industry 4.0 and digital transformation. It's a brand new name. We, it has been decided by the marketing team. We used to be Ovum IHS Market Technology. We grouped together and we got this new Omdia name. I've been in the industrial software business for 16 years, covering research, product, and service management for industrial software at IHS Market and Siemens. During that time, I've helped several manufacturers toward the introduction of sustainable digital solution. I'm based in Genoa in Italy, and uh, I'm extremely passionate about manufacturing. And since the first time I had a chance to walk through the shop floor, I've been fascinated by the com- complex orchestration of people, machine, material, system. And I believe the value of manufacturing in the past used to be really underappreciated. But if you look at the challenges of designing a plant, set up a production line to produce a product is vastly harder than the product itself. In particular, if you want to leverage new digital technologies, it is at least one or two order of magnitude harder. But it is also true that any area of great complexity hide the most relevant opportunities for business improvement. 
What I learned is that being successfully introducing digital solutions require a deep knowledge of the industry. That's why I really focus on that. And any new technology that you would like to deploy in manufacturing ecosystem, you really need to gain the trust of the workforce. So you must bring tangible benefit for the technician. Otherwise, they would just keep doing, uh, moving back to the old way of working, even when they are forced by the management. But if you're able to find a win-win strategy where basically you can really make an impact to the entire organization, this is what I try to master over the year. I'm really excited to be here with you, Valerie and Patrick. Thanks again for having me. Thank you, Fabio. That was wonderful. And, and a word jumped out at me when you first started to speak. You talked about the orchestration of all of the right. elements of manufacturing, underappreciated, so much going on. And thank you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing an orchestra, all of the parts. Who is the conductor? Who is the leader? And when do the different parts of the music come in? And how does it all sound or hum together? Great metaphor. Thank you very much, Fabio. Appreciate that. Patrick Lamb, waiting patiently. Patrick, I said that to a guest about six months ago. Bob's the third panelist, waiting patiently. And when it was his turn, he said, how do you know I'm patient? I thought you'd never get to me. I'm not going to give you a chance to say that. Patrick Lamb, we're so happy to have you here. Please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our audience. Patrick. Thank you, Vony, for having me on the show. So my passion for manufacturing is especially for industrial manufacturing company is very straightforward. I'm absolutely amazed about the sheer size of the industrial equipment and how precise these machines can work. To me, it's the accuracy of a Swiss clock, but in XXL format. Additionally, I'm always surprised by the genuity of the people in manufacturing companies to build these machines. So absolutely fabulous. And this is um, why I've taken this career. So my name is uh, Patrick Lamm. For the last um, 16 years, I have been working for SAP based in Waldorf, Germany, in various roles with the focus on discrete manufacturing companies. I always looked for opportunities to help manufacturing companies to improve their way of working. I started in business consulting where I got great insights into the business and IT strategies of leading manufacturing companies and consulting them. For us from SAP, very important, how SAP could support and enable these end-to-end -end business processes at those companies. Then, I moved into the SAP industry solution management to do in principle two things, what is very rewarding to me. Number one, drive the SAP innovation portfolio for industrial manufacturing companies. So always on the technology edge um, of new solutions at SAP. And then the very rewarding topic is engage with leading manufacturing companies to talk about how the SAP solution portfolio could support these, uh, these companies. And at this point in time, where we talk about digitalization, edge computing, and so forth, it's a fabulous conversation that you have these days with the uh, manufacturing companies. Before SAP, I worked for Hewitt Packard, where I got, I would say, the basics um, for my career, understanding what does it mean to operate a global supply chain and how it means to implement ne, 
the SAP solutions for the, the business of, of Fuel Packard. And that is, um, that is my career today. I have the, the most exciting job at SAP, leading a global program for the new strategy of SAP for our industry, industrial machine and components, which is the industry cloud solution. So augmenting um, our solution portfolio. And Bonnie, thanks again that you have me on the show and back to you. Thank you very much. I'm so impressed by the three of you. And I think we just got career advice from most of you, how you all got to, obviously, you're maturing your careers. I hope that's okay to say that. And you've all come from different places, whether in Valerie's case, it's finding other places to learn and grow within the same company or uh, Patrick's case, uh, coming up through different parts of, of SAP and HP and Fabio with your company. I still want to know, how did your marketing team come up with OMDIA? <laughs> what in the world does OMDIA mean? Come on, Fabio, give me a little, little. Really, no here. idea. No, I tried. <laughs> I tried to understand it. No way. I worked for a, a correspondent bank in New York as their marketing <laughs> director for years. They're no longer in existence. Valerie, I don't know if you would even mention, remember them if I mentioned the name. And one day they hired a, a very special marketing company to come up with a new name. And the name they came up with was NationR. N-A-T-I-O-N-A-R. And we went through all kinds of training sessions and new logos and new branding and new colors. We had no blank clue what in the world. It sounded like we were the bank of the nation. We were, it made no sense to anybody. They spent so much money. So I'm, I'm, I like yeah. the name Amdia. It has a, it just has a je ne sais quoi to it. Thank you, Fabio. We'll go with that for now. Now is the part of the show where we're going to go to the opening quotes. I've asked my panelists to send me a quote from a movie or a song. Our audience, you may know these movies. You may know these songs. And if not, listen up because it might be something you want to stream or learn or listen to. Valerie Clark has sent us a quote from David Bowie singing with Queen. And it's a verse from the song Under Pressure. It was originally released as a single in October 1980. 81, Valerie, that song is 40 years old almost. <laughs> later include, later included on Queen's 1982 album Hot Space, and it was described as a monster rock track that stood out on the album, an incredibly powerful and poignant pop song. Now, monster rock track and poignant pop song, that's a little bit of, I don't know, that's an oxymoron or contradiction. But here's, Valerie, I'm not going to read the whole quote because you gave me the whole lyric and it's, it's fabulous. I'm just going to read a little bit, let you explain how it relates to our topic. Can't we give ourselves one more chance? Why can't we give love that one more chance? Why we can't give love? Give love, give love, give love. A lot of more give loves because love's such an old-fashioned word. And love dares you to care for the people on the edge of the night. I'm stopping there. Valerie, it's beautiful. Do you want to sing it for us? Oh, you know, I'm dying to, but I lose our audience. Valerie is a singer. She, I'm sorry, yeah. I had I had to let that. Valerie, go ahead. Tell us what in the world I, is I this love when I when you're asking for quotes. I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm doing this. So, so yes, um, as I told you, Bonnie, I, when I'm not, you know, uh, tinkering with, you know, exponential tech and transforming business, I'm a lead singer in a rock band. So um, I'm doing it for charity to make money for the schools. Um, but this year has been really tough because studios are closed. I do live in New York City. Um, so we had a couple of this summer, the ability to go outdoors and, and play. You, would, you wouldn't believe how um, 
innovative we can be when we need our music, right? So, but why did I choose that quote? Because I think under pressure, we're all under tremendous pressure and so are Mm -hmm. manufacturers, right? But that was even before pandemic. There were pressures to reduce costs by five to 7%, what we found uh, in a Institute for Business Value study that we did. Um, And then the pandemic has made that even more challenging, right? So I do think we have to have some fortitude and we have to realize that we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this. The landscape may look a little different. We're under pressure, but we can give it another chance. Thank you. I like that. I like that drive. I like that optimism. Valerie, we're all looking for something optimistic, something to hang a positive sign on, right? And thank you for that. Love the lyric. I still, at the end of the show, if you want to take a minute to sing. (laughs) Love to, I, pr- I promise I'm not going to go get my drum kit in here and bring the sticks. I won't, I won't accompany you on drums, but I'd love to hear you sing. Let, maybe that's for another show. Let's move on, Fabio Raffo. I put enough pressure on Valerie. Fabio, it's your turn. Fabio has sent us a quote from the Point Break 1991 American action crime film. And it, the title refers to the surfing term Point Break where a wave breaks as it hits a point of land jutting out from the coastline. It features Keanu Reeves as an undercover FBI agent whose role, his job, is to investigate the identities, ooh, of a group of bank robbers, which then who then develops a complex relationship with the leader. And in this case, the quote I'm about to read is from Bodhi, B-O-D-H-I, leader of the surfer gang, played by Patrick Swayze. That must have been cool. I got to go check that out. Here's the quote. Fear causes hesitation and hesitation causes your worst fears to come true. We got to bail me out of this one, Fabio. Let's get some positive action here. What does this all mean to our topic? Go ahead. Hey, Bonnie. Yeah, that's, first of all, let me say that I'm a surfer. So even if I'm a surfer in Italy, so basically I'm used to just the ripples, but I've, I've seen the movie several times and uh, it's really, if I look at this quote, I guess it's valid in general, but it also could be pretty well uh, coupled with several manufacturing co- companies because in the past couple of years, the majority of the executives that I've met or interviewed, they believe their business would get shrinked or uh, marginalized if they didn't really focus on digital transformation. But going digital, innovate is not just a new uh, kind of recipe, even if the chef is uh, Gordon Ramsay. It's not enough to just put together 300 grand, three pounds of IoT, a cup of AI, two tablespoons of cloud computing. You mix all together. But going digital is all about innovate according to a purpose, a company purpose. It's a challenging journey and it requires a mindset shift. So manufacturer can really maintain their legacy system, legacy thinking for a variety of reasons. And it's not because the business leader, they want to see their company to fail. Typically, decision maker wants success and then they really have all of them good intention. But rethinking the way uh, you really run your business, try to change it, could lead to the, the feeling that you, you, could, you could lead to a failure. And this is one of the reasons why some companies hesitate to go digital. So leaders are really concerned with the security risk, uh, cost, uh, uh, and of course, any unknown by uh, approaching digital solution. And instead of taking the risk, leaders stick with the status quo. So, but such hesitation is going to create an unbridgeable gap 
to companies that look at digital solution as a, as a, a way to provide employees and customer with a new experience that only new solution can provide. This is the reason I apply that, that statement to the overall manufacturing industry. Thank you very much. So far, we've had a metaphor for orchestration, for an orchestra. We have had a metaphor for running like a, a well-tuned watch, right, Patrick? And now we have a metaphor for a meal where all the ingredients come together. Very, very interesting. Okay, if you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the future of mobility and manufacturing, and this is one of our last topics for the year, and we're looking ahead, the future of industrial manufacturing in 2021 and beyond. I am Bonnie D. Graham, Bonnie in the house, and I'm with three very special guests, Valerie Clark at IBM, Fabio Raffo at OMDIA, O-M-D-I-A, you can all decide what it means, it's up to you, and Patrick Lamb at SAP. So let's move on to the quote from Patrick Lamb. And Patrick has sent a quote from ABBA. I'm wondering if Valerie wants to sing this one, too. It's a quote from I Have a Dream, song by Swedish pop group ABBA. And if anybody doesn't know, ABBA's name was formed from the first letters of the founders, a super pop group formed in Stockholm in 1972. Boy, we're going back in time. Uh, And Bjorn and Benny and Ani and those are the ABBA letters. The recording is notable, and I'll read the line in a second, because it's the only ABBA song to include vocalists other than the four members of the band. And in fact, the final chorus features a children's choir from the International School of Stockholm. And here's the line. I have a dream, a song to sing, to help me cope with anything. If you see the wonders of a fairy tale, you can make the future, even if you fail. Patrick, I'm in dreamland here. This is beautiful. Talk to me. How'd you find this beautiful quote, Patrick? Yeah, um, to me, as I was a, a young uh, boy, dreaming was always great for all the, the new future that you want to have. But now growing up, I think dreaming about the manufacturing and thinking about manufacturing, manufacturing has been here for decades or even centuries. Huh? There are a lot of global manufacturing companies with established organizations, processes, values or even beliefs. However, with the advent of digital technologies, these established best practices will probably fall apart. Additionally, the future path and the destiny are probably unknown because the practices and appearances from the past will not help to sustain the business in the future. Therefore, I think the sentence from our song I have a dream are even more important for any leaders in manufacturing companies. There are always two sides of the coin. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, today's leaders need to be able to depict, to dream. How does the future of a manufacturing company look like? What are the new offerings? How do we operate? And even more importantly, I think leaders need to create an agile environment to test the usage of new technologies across the entire company. And where the most important thing for me is to create a culture of experimental habits and a culture to fail in order to deploy and and are willing to deploy the vertical edge capabilities that are needed to build the company of the future in these days. Thank you very much. Thank you to the three of you for such interesting movie and song quotes. Your quotes have never been used on any of my shows, so we broke some new ground in terms of quotable moments here. Thank you all. Let's get to the roundtable, the formal part of the show. My 
four. One of them sent me eight discussion statements. You've all done a lot of effort and work in in setting up with some really interesting topics to cover on our show today. Valerie Clark at IBM sent me the following. Let's dive into this one. I'm going to read just a little bit, Valerie. It's a, a nice meaty paragraph I call. I'll read a little bit and then have you expand it. Take about two and a half minutes, whatever you need. And then I'm going to invite Fabio to agree or disagree. This should be interesting. And then Patrick, I'll invite you to agree or disagree with either or both of them. Then we'll get Valerie's comments and I'll pick a statement from Fabio. Go around the table. Patrick is smiling and one from Patrick. And let's see how far we get. So here's what Valerie told me before the show. The future of manufacturing 4.0 is now. For years, manufacturers have been tinkering with IoT and edge capabilities to create efficiencies through greater automation. I'll read one more line. While amazing innovations have spawned from these pilot projects, very few examples exist of scaled benefits. And there is a reason for that. Fascinating. Valerie, talk to us. What's going on here? Okay. So I think all manufacturers will agree, right? Um, there's no shortage of innovation that's been going on, um, but scaling those benefits is, is really where the challenge is, right? And it's difficult for manufacturers because they are, you know, they have, they have goods to produce, to manufacture. So they can't keep doing uh, IT projects taking, you know, 30% of their time over and over again. But the real reason um, is the inability to support those technologies logical advances at scale. So the real benefits start to come when you uh, deployed um, optimization to more than one, say, production line, right? It has to be across multiple plants. And then you start to see in the millions of dollars of cost savings, which is really the challenge that manufacturers are under. But, you know, in order to manage that AI, you know, deployed to the edge, you have to be able to do that centrally, right? And so we just have had some you know, step change advances. Um, one in that um, we're able to compress AI models to run at the edge. And when you can do that, what you do is you get real-time insights. Um, and those real-time insights allow us to then increase levels of automation or acting in real time. Again, we have to manage those AI models, right? So now um, with, you know, advances in hybrid cloud and the ability to containerize workloads, as well as compress that AI, we're able to deploy them and, you know, set up some policies to guide the maintenance of it. The, because we have that capability now, um, the support costs have gone significantly down. So when we sit and look at the business case for manufacturers, the ROI is now in their favor. So that's really what the, the whole problem was. We can't manage it at scale, right? No short of innovation. No, you know, no shortage of innovation. It's about management. And manufacturers, at the end of the day, they're there to produce goods at the lowest cost and the highest quality um, with the greatest throughput, right? They don't really care about pet IT projects, right? They care about achieving those key industry KPIs. So we're there. And I'm really excited. And I think we're going to see a lot more engagement on this digital journey because of it. Thank you very much, Valerie. Very, very well stated and put together. Fabio, I will still ask the question, agree or disagree. Go ahead, Fabio. We want to hear from you. So I, I in general, agree to the statement, but maybe um, I do not fully share the, the reason why they are not able to scale, because I believe in general, um, there is technology is not really the, the challenge, as, as even Valerie mentioned. Uh, back to my original uh, comment on the industry, the introduction of digital technology as scale manufacturing plant, it's, a, it's complex because of the complexity of the manufacturing system. 
and the, at the end, they are a result of uh, applying lean, pro, lean uh, practices. So they are really, even if uh, they, they are challenged by the end user, we are looking at mass customization. So there are several challenges, but uh, the, the companies, they see opportunities uh, uh, in order to get a competitive advantage. And the, the difficult uh, could also be on the buy-in from the executive, because uh, as Valerie mentioned, this is not anymore an IT project. There are executives from the operation, the typical COO or, or the plant manager, that they want to, to really get into that uh, decision. It's not just an IT project. So it's difficult for even from a technology standpoint to try to couple technology with the business benefit. And, uh, and the, the, the manufacturing company, they, they take seriously the uh, introduction of digital solution in manufacturing. You can see examples from the typical new uh, leading in uh, car manufacturing, where you see the differences between companies that they just start with a prototype. Most of them, they are not able to scale because of the complexity of moving to real uh, uh, production of complex manufacturing, complex product which has technology evolved. While uh, this is one of the key challenges and which is the key competitive advantage of the company that they succeed. Thank you. Very interesting. Uh, Valerie, after I hear from Patrick, I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond to Fabio. Patrick, you've got a lot to uh, agree or disagree with here. What do you, what's your position? Go ahead. Yeah, in, in tendency, I agree. Although we need to say um, the business leaders have a, an, a tremendous, a tremendous challenge ahead of them. They need to transform the current business and they need to run the business at the same time in order to generate the, um, the profits that they can invest into the future. So I would call it, it's like you make an, a big elephant dance like a mice on an on, an, on a coin. And that is an, a, key, a key challenge that I'm seeing. I think, yes, we did a lot of, um, a lot of progress with technology, with the, to providing um, artificial intelligence technologies in various ways. The question is, how can these, um, these technologies be used in the respective business processes? And, and are the, there are so basic things like, do we have the data? Do we have enough data? Is the data quality right? Et cetera, et cetera. So the question for me is not, is the technology there? The question is multifold. It's like, do we have the data? Um, do we have the, the people né, in order to leverage and build out these, these, uh, these capabilities? And do we have the culture in order to shift into the, the new, the new destination? And um, because this have implications um, to to the people. Né? How can you um, translate in? Yes, um, that there are changes in how you work, and the standard activities that you're doing, managing a business process, is in principle not needed. But you can leverage this time in order to higher quality activities and managing the business from a different angle. So yes, the technology drives changes for sure. Um, companies need to go to that path in order to trigger this and kickstart this um, to come out from a POC concept into the mainstream approach. It has a lot to do with the mindset and the willingness to change the company and uh, move into new heights. 
Thank you. Valerie, look what you started. Very yeah. interesting around the table. Anything you want to say back to the other two? Go ahead, Valerie. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was great dialogue. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, Fabio, what you spoke to now twice, so I want to, I want to highlight is really this ITOT balance, right? So the people who run the plants are the OT. Um, and then there's the IT people, and they don't really understand what's going on in that plant. And we have a very interesting time right now with um, extremely high increases in cybersecurity. So they have to play together a little bit more now. Um, but I, I agree with you, there is some resistance. But once we do um, prove our value to that line operator, and really, we, sh- we must prove that value. You know, they're the ones in charge, right? Um, I still think that some of the difficulties in scaling it really had to do with managing it at a cost that is appropriate, right? And that cost isn't just in dollars. That cost is also in the time of those operators, right? The digitization right. is to save them time and empower them, not consume, consume, consume. So, so that's the strategy, and I think it's influenced how, you know, we bring these um, offerings to market. And then, um, Patrick, you really mentioned you know, the getting of the data, right? To me, that's sort of the, you know, connection from the, you know, the ITOT, you know, the connection to PLC systems and things like that, right? And we do see that a lot and a lot of coming in at that angle. I really think it's important to just start with, let's take out some costs and do it within that plant. Don't worry about that whole bigger stuff yet. Yes, the next stage is going to be about more efficient operations, but we have to work together to create that trust with that plant manager. That's our buddy, right? And once that plant manager says, I get it, I like it, it works for me, then we can say, you know, if we connected to that and got more data, we could actually stream this down. So that's my, I'm, I'm banking on that. I think that's the approach that we take. We have to help the people who are responsible for manufacturring as a priority. Thank so. you, Valerie. Pat, uh, Fabio, anything you want to say back first? No, no, that's, that's, I, I fully agree on that. I mean, uh, I still see the challenges of how to really, uh, I mean, I personal, personally witnessed the uh, difficulties of IT to get relevant, IT people to get relevant in business decision. And uh, I guess in the future is going to move again, uh, mm-hmm. everything in decision by the business people, which is, uh, which is happening in all the advanced technology uh, because the digital solutions are not just a cost center, they are really a competitive advantage. Patrick, so. anything you want to add? You good? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, the, the last thing I, w- I want to say here to it is for sure manufacturing companies need to do it and we need to start um, somewhere. How, the challenge is, and the opportunities are, how can we describe all these, these um, physical things, né? ITOT, how can we describe these physical things? and drive digital twins in a consistent way that we can wrap data around this ne? and really can anticipate ne? what's actually happening on a manufacturing machine in order to then conclude into um, the strategies in order to resolve problems, run better processes and so forth. And I think um, many companies are at the the beginning of this learning curve in order to describe these digital twins in a much more elegant and a precise way that they can add an artificial intelligence capabilities in order to optimize the manufacturing processes end to end. Thank you. Valerie, great conversation around the table. We didn't usually get this much of a second round on one statement. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for your thoughtfulness. Now, 
Let's move on to something I mentioned in my opening. And Valerie, you dropped a key word in what your, your response was just now. And this is where I told Patrick in the notes, I'm sorry, Fabio, Fabio, where we're going to go next. And he says, the World Health Organization reported a five-time increase, five times in cyber attacks during 2020. And we're not even done with the year yet. Manufacturers are looking at intensive network segmentation in particular to protect OT environments. I'm going to stop there and let you expand this for us, Fabio, please. Interesting. Let's go here. Yeah, I mean, the all uh, what also Valerie mentioned, the convergence of the uh, operational uh, technology and IT technology manufacturing, it's, uh, it's going to increase the challenges for the, uh, for the manufacturer because, uh, you know, the, the really there are a lot of people around the world, ransomware increase more, uh, increase a lot. And there is a, is a big business at the end. Unfortunately, most business, they don't like to, to share exact information about what happened, but I, I've heard about several attacks, even, uh, even in, in Europe, in Italy, in my country, where basically they get uh, manufactured, they get trapped, uh, they get they, they, the people ask money because they get the, the data, which are basically, they, they, they get the data, they get encrypted, or you're giving them money or, not, or you are not able to run production. And the uh, cyber attacks, they, they create uh, not just the problem is that the cyber attack is not just a cost in terms of paying the, the ransom. It's really they, they affect the entire uh, image, the entire uh, brand. They destroy, they, can, they could destroy uh, intellectual property. Mm-hmm. They could cause a product safety issue in the shop floor. And this is really uh, the severity, uh, obviously vary aco- according to the industry and according to the subsystem. And uh, if you know, if you know pe- people, if you know the industry a bit, you know, the, if you walk in a shop floor, you will find several PC that are still running Windows XP. I can tell you several of them <laughs> because they, they, those are not even controlled by the IT system. They're just shop. They are just machine which are there to basically help you to connect to, to, to the automation system. And this is a, a, a big problem for manufacturing in general. This is where new technologies that are uh, edge computing are supposed to, I hope will replace all the, will uh, address all the challenges. And, uh, uh as, as I mentioned, network segmentation is one of the uh, easy, easy uh, way to at least to protect the uh, DOT environment, which is not used to deal with the, uh, with the ransom, ransomware attack. And uh, the smaller you got the segment, obviously, the easier you, then, uh, you need to, to then uh, protect your intellectual property, your information to, to an attack. Thank you. Scary, but good information. Let's go around the table. Patrick Lamb, agree or disagree? What do you think? I um, I totally agree. No? Um, in in that sense that um, be, besides the business problems, the business challenges of leaders of um, manufacturing companies, the security is um, is one of the, the key aspects um, that keeps the leaders awake at night. Um, why? Because if someone sneaks in in the manufacturing processes in the OT world or even in the IT world, nah, then a manufacturing plant stands still. And uh, this causes tremendous um, reputation challenges to a, to a company. And therefore, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very important challenge. 
However, what I'm seeing is uh, the question is where is the, the the most secure environment I can put on uh, my my operations? Um, can I do? I think the times are over to build concrete walls around um, the manufacturing um, sites, and and then there's the question is um, how can these manufacturing companies leverage uh, um, technologies uh, providers out there which provides super secure. Um, super secure infrastructure and no infrastructure is 100% secure um, and there are multiple aspects ne? there's the people aspects the technology aspects ne? to keep those um, unwanted um, visitors um, outside and this is um, this is a key topic and it even gets uh, even more more severe it's not only just stealing um, insights into the the manufacturing processes, it's uh, more on changing the settings of the operation. Think about um, the, the new strategy that the companies foreseeing of moving people in a big city or environmental uh, topics na, that needs to be protected. So there can be a, a big implications to us humans being. Therefore, this is one of the biggest um, challenges, but also opportunities that I see when I look into the, the industries I'm I'm looking at. Thank you. Very interesting, Valerie Clark. Agree or disagree? Either or both. You're up. Oh well, you know I never disagree with anyone, but I might add to. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have to share this with you. I think it, it is scary, right? So uh, IBM did a study uh, with our X Force security team, right? And um, we found that. There's been an increase in industrial, um, sorry, cyber attacks on industrial operations. That's in the OT space, right? Up 2,000% since wow. 2018. 2,000%. That's huge. That's not 4%. That's 2,000, right? Why, right? Because more and more machines are connected to networks. That's why. And because the cyber criminals are getting more and more advanced. So a lot of these attacks are happening actually in the oil and gas industry, um, you know, uh, but they are also happening in manufacturing plants, and 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 it is very dangerous, right? It can it can halt operations, it can affect quality, um, and it's hard to remedy, right? Um, so, um, you know, it, it's a tough problem to solve because it's like a moving target all the time. Uh, so, so I'm not supposed to sell my company, but I'll just say we put a lot of investment in that. Um, security, right? And not just cybersecurity on the IT side, we have a, dip, a business unit that focuses on OT security. And out of that group, I'm very uh, pleased to say that, you know, it, it's all about the ecosystem. So, you know, ABB is a large provider of PLCs, and they recently announced a partnership with us to address cybersecurity as part of their PLC platform. I think those strategies are, are really important. I think it's going to help these uh, plant operators better understand the threats so that they're more confident with additional technology. Thank you very much. Fabio, this was your topic. Anything you want to say back to Valerie and or Patrick? Yeah, I want back to Valerie first. I mean, uh, she mentioned the majority of the attack uh, on the oil and gas company. I mean, I would say in general, all the process industries, there is a reason behind it because the uh, almost all of them, they are still running DCS system, distributed control system from the 80s, from the 90s. All the old software which are still running the factories. So those are, as soon as you open uh, such a kind of network to the outside world, that's, 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 a, that's a critical uh, entry point for, for attack. 
And it's really it's difficult because it's difficult to then move from those uh, existing uh, processes, you know, the complexity of, of, of uh, a chemical process, how to control it. It's pretty critical. So it's difficult to really get rid of the existing uh, software and move to the new one or move to a new ABB PLC. It, it, takes, uh, it takes a lot of work. So the, the, the easier solution that I've seen in the market, typically they try to virtualize to virtualize the existing solution, try to protect it in a, in a, in a virtual ecosystem and try to make it protect. But still, it's, it's going to be a challenge for several of the of uh, people in the industry. And I, I, also, I also agree with Patrick that even the openness of the uh, any people which is now moving to working from a remote, it's another key, key uh, aspect to, to take care of uh, with the cybersecurity. Thank you. Good topic. It's good, Thank it's good, you. It's good that I'm not a manufacturer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reality check. You're on the other side talking about it. Let's go to statement number four. Patrick Lamb sent me before the show. This is interesting. I don't think we've talked about this yet. The topic is servitization and outcome-based business models. And Patrick predicts in 2025, the majority of IM and C companies' revenue will stem from services that are based on and built around smart products, the value they deliver, the data they create. I'm going to stop there. Very interesting. Patrick, why don't you expand this, unpack it for us, as they say on the news shows, and then we will ask Valerie and then Fabio for their agree or disagree comments. Patrick, you're up. Super. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think um, talking to the, the industry leaders in, in our industry, this is one of the number one hot topic that I'm seeing. Why? The glorious days of um, traditional industrial manufacturing companies are over. Yeah? Just um, offering the best equipment, this is not enough anymore. Companies need to transform into total solution, into total service provider. And there are, there is a journey in order to reach so. Ne? First of all, ne, this is based on the intelligence um, solution manufacturing companies are offering. And um, over time, these um, solutions get connected and the industrial manufacturing has the opportunity to get insights into the fleet of equipment that are out at the customer base. And so they're getting data. Data is the new gold. They get insights ne, into so-called condition monitoring. And then based on this data, they get more and more insights and companies get the opportunity to provide value-added uh, services ne, as digital services based on the insights they get. And if they, they move along, ne, the, the companies get insights into how is the machine used, um, is the machine operating on capacity level and so forth. So get total transparency. And this gives even insights in, in stepping up ne, the, the service provider level to offering the not, no equipment anymore, but offering only a service that is the outcome. And the, the customers of um, manufacturing companies are paying not for the machine, but the produced goods per unit or the energy uh, produced or the uh, compressed air um, being consumed. And this is what we're seeing um, as of today. It's not a widely adopted model. 
but to the companies we talk and the industry insights we got, there is uh, everyone talks about it. And uh, we believe that in 2025, this will be um, the majority of the business model and the majority of revenue for manufacturing companies will be generated by services, digital services, and not necessarily selling the industrial equipment. Thank you. Very interesting, Patrick. Valerie, whether you know it or not, you're virtually sitting next to Patrick. So you're up. Agree or disagree? Go ahead, Valerie Clark. Wonderful. So <clears throat> this is interesting because it's more about the ecosystem around the manufacturers, not the manufacturers themselves, right? So I do believe in value-based outcomes as in every industry, really, it's moving that way, right? Um, but I, I will say, you know, it's the timeline of 2025. It's been a very humbling year for me. Did a lot of research, a lot of work in launching offerings at the edge, which were intended to, you know, stop stop us from connecting to the network and bring it down, right? Bring it, bring it inside the plant floor and give that plant operator control and visibility. Um, but, you know, with a, with a timeline of seeing 2025 as the platform, I was thinking last night, mm, I think it's going to take a little longer, um, mostly because as we talk with, the manufacturers, you know, their priorities are one around take out some cost. I mean, this was their priority a year ago, but it's still there, especially now. I need to reduce my cost of my operations. Um, the second being, um, and it's sort of a continuum to this, the second being uh, operational efficiencies in a, in a more macro level. And the third being resiliency. Now, the truth is, if you address the first one using digitization strategies like um for example, in a production line, if we put some sensors on there and we listen to the parameters that affect the quality out- output, then we can notify the operator when those parameters get out of sync. And it's, it's um, multimodal, I'm sorry, multi-parametric. So um, the line's this fast, the squeezy paste uh, needs to be opened up because the line's this fast and there's humidity in the air, things like that, right? So really guiding that operator and things that the human eye can't see so that they don't have the waste, they don't have... Um, you know, quality issues at the end. It's not that complicated, right? We have these capabilities. Um, we've had them for a while, actually. But the problem is they were all delivered on the cloud. And, um, you know, the cybersecurity threats affected that. Um, and so our ability to do that with edge computing, I think, is is going to be um, a, a step changer in just taking out costs. There's there's other ones, but I don't want to belabor too much on, on those offerings. But the funny thing is when you do that, right, now all of a sudden we know what the production process is and the optimal set point. So what does that do? It addresses the skill gap issue, right, by empowering the operator. It um, create, it gives you the opportunity then to see where I might have operational efficiencies um, in the broader ecosystem. And you have more resilience because if you have to turn on a dime to produce something else because society needs you to, you already have the recipe of how to turn it back. To, your, to, to what you produced before. So um, I just really think I, I agree with Patrick on the value-based outcomes. And I think, um, uh, you know, being able to share will save you this much money and that much money and then start to talk about business changes and, and things um, uh, as we build that operational efficiency is the route. So Thank you, Valerie. Okay. Fabio, we have time for your comments. We're looking at five minutes till the end of the show, and I want to give you bandwidth here. We've been talking about the future, so we're not going to do the crystal ball predictions round unless, unless I can squeeze in a one-sentence prediction from each of you. That's a possibility. Fabio, talk to what Patrick said and or Valerie's comments, please. Yeah, I agree with both. I, I mean, uh, the, if you look, I want to just add a, a small, uh, small statement on that, because if you look at the typical margin of the manufacturer 
used to be uh, on the hardware side, on mechanical. They try to get advantage, the best product in the market. Now everyone is looking at the margin from the services, mainly digital services, because of the scalability of that kind of business. You can really, you can scale from, from several aspects. And uh, you, let, let me share just a quote from uh, which she's always inspiring me from uh, Bernard Shaw. I, I'm not exactly the word, but he said, if I have an apple and you have an apple and we exchange the apple, we all, we both have still one apple. But if you have an idea, and I have an idea and we share the idea, we both get two ideas. And this is pretty, uh, pretty relevant to compare hardware versus software kind of business relevant. And you see the value of uh, companies like Automaker, which they see now their uh, product, their car, as just laptop on wheels. This is a comment from one of the top executives. It's really everything around it. The, the whole entire uh, margin of the company is around services. So I fully agree with, the, with both. Thank you very much. We are just about at the end of our time. What do you think? Could you each behave yourselves and give me a one-sentence overall prediction about the future of industrial manufacturing between now and 2025? I'm looking for a nod. I'm on Zoom. Can we all get a nod there? Valerie, you want to kick this off? One sentence, and you're allowed two commas and one semicolon, and it's got to fit into about 25 seconds. Go ahead, Valerie Clark. Go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we're going to see an increase in sustainability-related uh, transformation. Um, I think that because consumers, particularly the rising you know, young people, right, consumers are demanding it. We won't take it anymore. We just, um, I just read in Forbes today. Oh, I'm probably going over. Yep, I'm going over. I'm stopping right there. That's okay. Thank you. Everybody go find a comment in Forbes. Fabio Raffo, one sentence. Yeah, All right, two. Valerie took two. Go ahead. Yeah, let me add on top of it. I, I agree with sustainability. The other one is the uh, empowering the next generation of worker because it's uh, uh, the reality is that the next generation, they don't want to work in an environment that stick on the repetitive routines. They're really uh, fostering digital culture within the company. It's allow manufacturer to kind of uh, uh, gamifying the working practices because this is where people want to work with try to get digital tools, smart devices, and focus on what is really high value. Thank you. Patrick Lamb, 30 seconds, all yours, go. All yours. Yeah, I predict that every manufacturing company will become an intelligent enterprise shifting to a service-centric business model. I call it its manufacturing on demand. Love it. Thank you to the three of you. I appreciate all of you. I have to do a quick shout out to Louise Riddle at IBM, who introduced Valerie to Judy Kubis. And Judy is a sponsor of the series. Thank you to Judy. And Judy's uh, partner at SAP also sponsored Aswin Manapali. And I wish them well for the new year. And let me just do some thanks also to Aaron Keller. Put your hands together for my engineer, Aaron Keller. He calls himself my sidekick. Thank you, Aaron, for getting us on the air and keeping us there here on Voice America Radio, the business channel. And here's my call to action. You're going to love this. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Valerie Clark and Louise Riddle at IBM. Thank you, ladies. Just like Fabio Rafa at Omdia. We'll figure it out one of these days (laughs) together. And just like Patrick Lamb at SAP. Everybody be safe, be smart, be savvy. Enjoy your holiday. It's two days till Thanksgiving here in the U.S. And I'm just going to say it. Stay sane. Bonnie out. Bye-bye. 
Thanks again for tuning in to the future of mobility and manufacturing with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.